0: To another podcast episode of Established in the Faith This is Pastor James Pierce And what a privilege it is to have all of you out there By SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play TuneIn Radio, Blueberry However in the world it is that you're getting this podcast today We're just so pleased and happy to have you with us Some of you have been tuning in with us for some time now And the program is a blessing to you We want to hear from you Go over to Establishedinthefaith.com and contact us there through the website and if you're new to the program you can uh, subscribe to this podcast the program's a blessing to you feel free to share it with others as i know if it's been a blessing to you then it'll be a blessing to them as well Well, we're going to pick it up today in revelation chapter 1 dealing with verses 12 through 16 hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you Bibles tonight turn to Revelation chapter 1 the book of Revelation of course was written by the Apostle John John is the last of the Lord's disciples he's somewhere around 90 years of age at the time he writes this and he is on the Isle of Patmos A new Roman emperor has stepped on the scene, named Domitian, and he has made it a rule or a law for everyone to call him Master and God. It is believed that they came around to John, and John refused to do that. He stood up for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, and they arrested him. And they put him on this island. Patmos Island was an island where the Romans took and turned it into a prison camp. And it a very small island. There were no trees on it, a bunch of little shrubs. And they made the criminals work in those mining camps, busting up rocks and moving them from here to there. And you can imagine John, at 90 years of age, being forced to do that kind of labor. And he's going through a trial. He's going through a time. But yet, in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 1, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And no matter what you go through, what situation you're facing you can still be in the spirit. And John didn't have a church to go through. Being in the spirit does not necessarily mean going to church. But being in the spirit means that you are dedicated to the Lord. You're consecrated to the Lord. You allow yourself to You put yourself in an environment that is conducive to the moving, working, and operation of the Holy Spirit. Um, Being in the Spirit should not be something that is strange to us. I mean, it's like a fish being in the water. He's used to it. And you and I should be used to it. We should be uh, in a mind of worship at all times. Thanking and praising the Lord. And uh, Paul said, Pray always. And John said he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind him a great voice as of a trumpet. And the Lord's voice is very distinct, but yet, no matter how loud a person's voice is, the person's voice can be drowned out by the environment that it's in so if the more of the world that you allow into your life the flesh worldly things the flesh can become so loud that you don't hear his voice although his voice is very loud and very distinct you can have so much of the world going on in your life that you don't hear his voice. Uh, I think we wouldn't go too far by saying that you can get so involved in church work and church activity, you can find yourself so busy that you can miss hearing his voice there as well. So uh, we all need to be able to hear his voice and uh, be available when, when he needs us. And when John hears this voice there in verse 12, let's go ahead and take a look at it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. He said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Uh, first of all there, I want you to notice in verse 12, he's turned around to see the voice that spoke with him. He's turning around to look at and examine uh, the voice that he heard. And there's a lesson for us all to take a note of here. Uh, there's a lot of voices in the world today. There's a lot of stuff that's being said over radio, television, and we need to take a close examination of that voice. What is being said? If it's not Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary, uh, it's a voice that we need to turn off. There's, Like I said, there's a lot of voices today that, Will lead you astray, and just as John turned to examine that voice that spoke with him, uh, we need to examine what we hear today as well. We need to open up the Word of God and check it out for ourselves. As your pastor, I promise you, I'm going to study out the Scriptures and do the best I can to give you a a good spiritual diet whereby you can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. But it is your responsibility to open up the Word of God for yourself and read it and check it out for yourself. And don't just get any old version of the Bible out here to go by either. There's a lot of knockoffs today. It's simply not the Word of God. Get you a good King James Bible, word-for-word translation, uh, and have it to go by. And uh, make sure that what you're reading is the Word of God. Amen. So, he turns to see this voice, and being turned, he saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, those candlesticks represent the churches. If you'll look down in verse 20, the Lord told him that. Jesus said, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So those candlesticks are representing the church. Now, what exactly did John see when he turned around? The candlesticks that he saw could have possibly been the menorah type of lampstand that was used in the tabernacle of old. Back in the days when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, he laid out the framework. He laid out the blueprints for how he wanted the tabernacle to be built and all the furnishings that were in it. Uh this golden lampstand in the tabernacle stood, I believe, on the right-hand side of the tabernacle. Its whole purpose was to light up that area of the tabernacle. There was no other light source in the tabernacle except for that golden lampstand. And its purpose was to shine light over upon the table of showbread, which was a type of Christ. All of those things were a type of Christ, pointed to Christ in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But that candlestick was somewhere around three to four feet tall. It was solid gold. It was beaten out of one solid piece of gold. The workmen that did that, took one solid piece of gold and hammered it into shape. Um, and I'm trying to describe it now. You'd have a shaft in the middle, and you'd have three branches that come out on either side of it, three branches on this side, three branches on this side, a total of seven uh, places there where a wick would be placed in a bowl of oil, and each one of those would be lit. So if it was that type of lampstand, uh, John saw seven lampstands with seven arms coming out, a total of seven times seven, uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But if that was the type of lampstand that he saw, it's called a menorah. And the word menorah means light bearer. And it is a perfect description of the mission and the purpose of the church. That's why Jesus said that these candlesticks uh, represent the church. It's symbolic for the church. Jesus said, we're the light of the world. Amen. And I picture this now. I don't know how you picture it. Uh, I've seen some artists' drawings that portrayed... Possibly what John saw. I believe perhaps these seven golden candlesticks were arranged in a circle. And Christ is seen standing in the center of those candlesticks. He is the centerpiece. He is the focal point, if you will. And Jesus Christ is supposed to be the centerpiece and the focal point of the church. There's a church in Wilson, I don't know anything about it, ain't never been in there before, but they call themselves the Cowboy Church. I know of churches that have been built, they're considered the Motorcycle Church. (laughs) I turned, flipping through the TV last night, I saw a program called Snake Salvation. Yeah, (laughs) And these good old boys up in the mountains, they go to church and they believe in picking up the serpent. And the pastor of that church, when the winter time rolls around, he said, I only got two, three snakes and I got to have some more rattlesnakes so we can have church service during the winter months. Now, y'all think we have a time-growing friendship church now. Imagine if I bring a bunch of rattlesnakes in here to have to handle. Oh, that'll go off real good for homecoming, wouldn't it? The preacher comes out walking down the aisle with a rattlesnake. I bet you y'all shout now, won't you? (laughs) But yeah... Yeah, them people were—they were picking up the serpent, and I mean, just stuck it right down in their face and throwing them down on the floor and just doing all kinds of things. I I saw that last night. But yeah, that—that's—that was their whole focal point. Your faith was not where it's supposed to be because you wouldn't pick up the serpent. But see, there's a lot of people, a lot of churches that have their faith in something else other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our our denomination, if you're not careful, will get carried away with baptism. Or we will get carried away with our church history. It, It always has a tendency to go too far one way or the other, but... The focal point, the center point of the church is supposed to be Jesus Christ. Not Starbucks coffee. Not a Krispy Kreme donut as you as you come in the front door. A lot of churches today they've become known as the barbecue chicken and pork churches because every week you turn around they're selling barbecue chicken plates. And, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a fundraiser. But that's what the community has seen uh, them do more than anything else is having these sales and things. And, you know, what does the world see? When John turned to look, he saw seven golden candlesticks and Jesus Christ standing in the center. What does the world see? When the world looks at friendship, free will, Baptist church, what does it see? Does it see Jesus Christ lifted up or does it see something else? That's what we've got to be careful of. All right, let's take a look at the appearance of Christ. Verse 13 again. In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they were burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now I'm not going to have the time to go through all of this tonight, but I do want to take a look at a few things. First of all, let's take a look in verse 13. Uh, He was clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Back in the Old Testament, the priest wore a similar garment. The white robe down to the foot and the golden girdle about the paps it is a type of jesus christ being our great high priest now the thing i want to point out here is is this one of the jobs of the priest in the old testament was to order or maintain the lampstand in the tabernacle he was to order it in the morning and he was to order it Or maintain it in the afternoon. And what was involved in this, you had a bowl shaped like an almond. And inside that bowl would be olive oil. And floating inside that olive oil would be a wick, known, also known as flax. And that piece of flax would float in that olive oil and it would suck up that soak up that olive oil and when you set fire to it the oil would continually flow through it and it would shine very bright but as it shines the impurities of whatever that's inside that piece of flax that wick would come to the top and it would turn black and the blacker it gets the dimmer, the light gets. So the high priest would have to go in in the morning or in the afternoon and he would have to extinguish the flame and he would take out that piece of wick and he would trim off the black part of the wick and he would pour fresh oil in, put that wick back down in that oil and relight it and he would do this for each one of the lamps that were on that lampstand, all seven of them. And here we see Christ standing in the center of these seven golden candlesticks, dressed in priestly garments as our high priest. I see Christ here as maintaining the light in the church. He's maintaining you and I as his light to the world. Now the only difference is that light in the Old Testament did not have a free will of choice. You and I have a free will of choice. We can be as bright for the Lord as we want to be. Or we can be as dim for the Lord as we want to be. And the Lord... Wants to maintain us. He wants us to burn as brightly as we can. But that's entirely up to you and I. How bright we are. Some of us ain't very bright. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm talking about spiritually. But here we see Christ as our great high priest. Standing in the midst of those seven golden candlesticks. And uh, look at verse... 14 if you will says that his head and his hairs were white like wool and as white as snow Christ is the head of the church the whiteness of his hair speaks of his great wisdom and knowledge and as the head of the church Jesus will judge his church according to that great wisdom and knowledge that he has. He knows everything. Hence the next phrase there in verse 14. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Nothing escapes his eyes. He can look right through you, right down to your very soul. He knows what your thoughts are. He knows what you're going to do before you do. He knows and to every church he addressed, he said, I know, I know your works, I know. And he said this time and time again, so nothing escapes his eyes. Now, John said his eyes were as a flame of, of fire. Does that mean that fire was shooting out of his eyes? I don't, I don't think so. My thinking on that is, as Jesus stood there... In the center of those seven golden candlesticks, his eyes were as a flame of fire because he is looking at the flame that is on each one of those candlesticks and it is a reflection of what he's looking at. And he's looking at the flame that's in your life. He's looking at the flame that's in my life and we're going to be judged accordingly. That's why I tell you, Sunday after Sunday, get on fire for God, church. Because Jesus is looking at that fire within your heart and within your life. And Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So are you burning as brightly for the Lord as you can? No matter how bright you burn for the Lord, there's always going to be that time when sin comes to the surface and you're going to have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I failed you today. I have sinned. Lord, trim my wick. Forgive me. And and go to the Lord and let him trim that wick. And let him pour some fresh oil. Be filled with God's Spirit. Continually go before the Lord and say, Lord, fill me up with your Spirit. So I can be that light to the world like I ought to be. His eyes were as a flame of fire. It also speaks of judgment. He told the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2 and 5. He said I will remove your candlestick out of its place. You can take that. However you want to take it. That's judgment. All right, verse fifteen. His feet were like unto fine brass as if they were burned in a furnace. The feet speaks of one's walk. Jesus has been. Where you and I are at. He has walked in this world. He has been tested. He has been tried. He has been shot at with those fiery temptations of the devil. And he has come through without sin. Flip over if you will to Hebrews chapter 4. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's begin in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus Christ the son of God let us hold fast our Profession, Verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. When you're going through some trial, you can go to Jesus because he's been through. What you're going through. He's been through far worse than you and I can go through. And whatever you're having a problem with. When you go to the Lord. And you seek his face. No matter what it is. He won't be standing there ready to beat you over the head. But he's got words of comfort for you. And the proof is the very next phrase there in Revelation 15, uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 15. John said his voice was as the sound of many waters. His voice was as the sound of many waters. There's nothing any more peaceful than being up in the mountains by one of those streams and hearing that water trickling. Down the mountainside. You can just lay there and listen to it. And go off to sleep. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. Peaceful. And the Lord speaks to you during a trial. During a time when you're really going through something. And he speaks sweet peace to you. And I believe the Lord spoke sweet peace to John. When he was on that Isle of Patmos going through a trial, going through a great tribulation in his life, 90 years old, being forced to work hard labor. No doubt he was going before the Lord, saying, Lord, why am I having to go through this at my age? Lord, I've served you all these years, and now I'm out here on this island having to go through this. Why? Why? And the Lord comes to him in this vision. And gives him peace. His voice was as the sound of many waters. Take a look if you will. Move down to verse 17. And when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold I am alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death john was going through a great trial he was going through a great tribulation period there in his life and the lord came to him his voice was as the sound of many waters very peaceful and the lord spoke to him a word that comforted him during that time and the lord also gives us a comforting word but the key is we have to be in the spirit